the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed, and a good morning to you. Thanks for being with us. It's Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer, 10 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this Thursday. Isn't it kind of cool when you have that kind of midweek holiday? That Tuesday off, the week just is like, what, what? It's just about over. Come back to work yesterday, and it's Wednesday. It feels like it's a Monday. or It should be, anyway. And then suddenly, here we are on Thursday. Just got a couple of days to make it to the weekend. Uh, but it's a good day. Sixth morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Really appreciate you being with us. We have a lot to talk about today. We're going to make today a Kirstenau Day because the 4th of July fell on a Tuesday, which is a curse now day, and we were not live. We didn't have Peter then, so he has agreed to regale us with his wisdom uh, and knowledge uh, today. So he'll be with us in one hour at 1010. Before that and after that, it will, it will be yours, 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. The number is just fine. So thanks for being with us. Uh, we're going to start with our pledge first because I'm going to do something a little bit different uh, to start the program this morning. I've got a, a bit of a different story to discuss with you, and I don't want to be broken in my train of thought on it. So let's go ahead and do our pledge now. If you would, patriot as a patriot, stand up. 
and face the flag that you have nearby. And if you have uh, one in your car as you're driving right now, I love you. That's awesome. Every time I talk to somebody who tells me they have a flag in their car because we do the pledge on this program, it just makes me feel very good. Uh, and I salute you and your patriotism. So let's salute our country now by pledging allegiance to that flag. If you are a believer in uh, Marxism or the transing of America, or any of the other left-wing ridiculousness that we continue to fight each and every day, well, then you don't like this flag. You have no respect for the republic, and you do not have to pretend to pledge your allegiance to it. Instead, take a knee over there next to that unemployed quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Yeah, so I'm going to start this program a little bit uh, in a little bit of an unusual manner. I, I don't know why this one just hits the... Well, I guess I do know why. Um, I'm not going to start by talking about the human snowblower that is Hunter Biden. I'm not going to start with the embarrassment of the White House refusing to talk about the human snowblower that is Hunter Biden. Um, I'll come to that stuff later. Peter and I will talk about that. Supreme Court decision reaction and other things coming from those decisions last week. Those things will be there today as well. There is a lot, but I'm starting with a dead dog. Um, I, I guess I do know why this kind of hits differently right now, because my own son uh, recently got a dog. And um, we dog sit a lot, because my son's still at college. And, uh, you know, he can't have the dog with him at all times, so we, we, we have him at our house an awful lot. And uh, I've just been a dog lover my entire life anyway, but particularly now that, you know, we're kind of with one on a, on a regular basis. Maybe that's why this hits so hard, too. But um, there's a dead dog in Lorraine. And there shouldn't be. This is a really, really disturbing story. It has gone viral, the story has, not just in social media in Lorraine County, where I live. Um, It's been picked up by national news outlets. I mean, it's on Newsweek. uh, It's uh, on national uh, MSN and many others. It's kind of everywhere. And this story involves cops. And that's why this is a really difficult story. As you know, um, police are often criticized for, uh, you know, shooting in in various situations in which they feel like their lives are in danger. And if the suspect that they are shooting at happens to be, be minority, there is a massive outcry, condemnation of the police officer. It's another... You know, uh, a minority shot by a trigger-happy cop, maybe a racist cop, all this other crap, and I and I can't stand it. I mean, in the rare occasions where it is justifiable criticism, I will say so, but generally speaking, the overwhelming majority of the time, the cops do it right. But when they don't, I call that out, and this is one of those situations, because a cop shot a dog, a family dog, and not of not Cujo. Not a vicious, you know, pit bull. Not that I'm, this is, that is not an attack on pit bulls, by the way. It's not an attack on people who own pit bulls. I know that's a very sensitive subject. But I'm just saying, it's not a vicious dog. It's not a snarling fierce. It's a, it's a lab. It's a, it's a three year old yellow lab. 
that is quite frankly, um, in no way, shape, or form, um, something to be feared and shot in a given circumstance. And this has really touched a nerve with a lot of people in the community. Like I said, Tammy Kearns, 52-year-old woman in Lorraine, and her 25-year-old daughter, Melanie uh, Kearns, um, said that their dog, Dixie, along with their three other dogs, got spooked by some some firecrackers and fireworks um, last week. This is this goes back to July 2nd, so four days ago. Uh, got spooked by some fireworks and uh, ran around and got out. Okay, And we know that's a thing. We had to deal with that, as a matter of fact, because my son's dog that I was talking about is very, very, uh, you know, uh, kind of trembly and, and loud noises freak him out, too. Okay. Uh, they sell these things called like thun- thunder, th- thunder blankets or thunder sweaters or something like that. You can wrap a dog in. They're like weighted, and they're kind of compressed, and they kind of make them feel secure whenever these you know loud, scary things happen. Anyway, it's a, it happens. It's a dog thing. So her dogs apparently got spooked, and they got out, which happens to a lot of people. I have spent a lot of time uh, over the course of my life outside in the neighborhood trying to chase down my dog that you know was on a leash or and got away or was tied out and got away or, or whatever the case might be. And they're not doing anything wrong. They're chasing birds or they're chasing rabbits or they're doing whatever and just running around and having fun. We've all probably seen it or done it. Anyway, she has four dogs and they were all running around and they were corralling them. When the police officer, Lorraine police officer named Elliot Palmer, showed up on the scene. And he apparently, according to the witnesses outside, yelled to get those dogs under control, which they were in the process of doing, when one of them that she was corralling, they had three of them, got away and started running and prancing around. And apparently it pranced too close to the officer because the officer pulled out his gun and shot it. And as it retreated, he shot it three more times. And it's the video is beyond disturbing. I, I have the video posted to my Facebook page. I have not posted it to my Twitter page yet. I'll probably do that. It is very, very disturbing because what you will see is a, an excited uh, yellow lab bouncing around and prancing around and and running toward people and being pet and and uh, running toward the officer as well and apparently he saw a snarling vicious beast that needed to die um it's a problem the office of professional standards is currently investigating the shooting in lorraine uh palmer was reportedly and i'm looking at a multiple multitude of reports here uh, you know including the statement um uh, the report that was filed by the officer elliot palmer but uh, he apparently was on patrol when he saw several dogs roaming quote at large near a home on the corner of 8th street and oberlin avenue uh he exited his patrol vehicle to assess the situation is how he wrote it in his report and protect nearby civilians who could be bitten by the dogs, which I suppose is true. All dogs can bite, but unless dogs are in the process of biting and or attacking or on the way to do said attack, typically speaking, it's not a death sentence. The capability of biting is not something that that generally warrants shooting anything that can bite you. He said in his report that he noticed another female who appeared to be injured with a laceration to her her forearm as she attempted to restrain two dogs. Uh, 
That would be the owner. Palmer said in his report, the dog charged at me. Due to the totality of the circumstances, I feared for my immediate safety. As the dog charged me, I drew my service pistol. At this point, the dog was no more than a few feet away from me. I then discharged my service pistol several times at the dog to stop the threat. The dog ran toward the front of my cruiser and passed due to its injuries. He described the aftermath of the shooting as a hostile and volatile situation. There's a reason for that. People were livid that this dog, which was not running in attack mode, growling, snarling, or doing anything that might even remotely be ascertained as a vicious dog, um, was was killed because it was a dog and it was loose. Um, I watched it. Thankfully, there was dash cam video and body cam video, and the idea that this dog charged him is being disputed by not only the witnesses and not only the dog owner, but by the video itself. The dog didn't charge him. The dog was running around, and yet ran around somewhat near him as well. I don't know that it got within 15 feet of him before he decided to fire. Um, and like I said, this dog was prancing, not running and attacking. This dog was playing. This dog was just outside and having a ball. Is it ideal? No. Should the owners be more responsible in making sure their dogs don't get away if they get spooked by thunder or fireworks or something? Yeah. Does that mean a death sentence for the dog? Uh, not where I come from. And maybe my suburban life experience is a little different than others. I don't know. But I do know that it's a very, very horrific video, and it has touched a nerve with a lot of people in the community, including and especially pet owners. They are just very, very upset by this. And if you see the video, you will be as well. You will not see a vicious dog running at with an intent to attack a police officer or anyone else for that matter. You will see a dog running around and playing and an officer who I don't know what he was thinking. I really don't. claims he was in fear for his safety. And as I say, typically... I will give the benefit of the doubt to the officer in a shooting case because usually there's a good reason. If somebody's reaching for a waistband after being given an order to put their hands up and get on the ground and they reach for a waistband and an officer fires, I am siding with the officer. I don't know what he's reaching for. I don't know what he's about to pull out of there. And There are too many cops who have been shot and killed because they hesitated because they didn't want to be the next you know, uh, social media viral video of a police officer shooting an unarmed suspect. And then they end up finding out that the suspect was armed and they get shot. I, I, I side with cops. They deserve the benefit of the doubt. Almost always. The only time they don't is when video contradicts their version of the story. And the video that I see... Of, of this dog in Lorraine named Dixie, the three-year-old yellow lab that's running around. Uh, I think it's a lab retriever mix. This dog that's running around is in no way, shape, or form a threat to that officer or anybody else for that matter. Did the, did the dogs get out? Yeah. Is that a bad thing from the owners? Yeah. 
Does it mean it's a death sentence? It absolutely should not. Vicious dogs get put down. Vicious dogs get shot when they're in the course of, of, of trying to attack somebody, not because they happen to be running around in a, in, a, in a circle with a bunch of people. It's a disturbing story. Uh, and it's an even more disturbing video. Is it the biggest news of the day, considering we're a country in peril right now? No, but it's a story that I found to be kind of, like I said, it, it, it touches that nerve, and it has really, really upset and inflamed a lot of, of tensions and, and, and brought out a lot of emotions in people in the Lorraine County area and in, uh, uh, you know, in, in which I live, and I am interested in your thoughts. Are you a dog owner? Has your dog ever gotten out? Have you ever had to run around the neighborhood trying to catch your dog because he got off of his leash or the leash? somebody dropped the leash? I accidentally did that not long ago, actually, when I was uh, taking my, my son's dog outside to do its business in the yard. And I dropped the leash because I was trying to change hands, and he just started to go running around chasing a rabbit or was around our backyard, and then it ran out in the neighbor's yard, and then down the, another one. And I had to go chase. It happens. It's a thing. And it's... And it's not supposed to be a death sentence. That's just how I feel about it. Um, so I'm curious. I'm, I'm interested in your reaction. If you're a dog owner, uh, even if you're not, maybe if you're a police officer, maybe if you are married to a police officer, have one in your family, and you see this thing differently. But from my vantage point in watching this video, that's not an officer that is, I think, that has the right temperament to wear the badge and carry the gun. That's just a problem for me. That's just a very, very... He was a very casual manner in which he did that. It did not appear as though he, he wasn't yelling, uh, it, you know, in any way, shape, or form that would indicate that he is in fear in a, in a traumatic situation for his life. He was almost almost casual as he just saw the dog. He pulled out his gun and just started firing. It was very, very disturbing to me. I'm interested in your thoughts. If you have any, 216 a little local story to kind of get you thinking a little bit. If you want to be a part of it, let's do it together on Always Right Radio. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Okay, 9.36. Don't forget, we got Kirsten out coming up at the top of the hour. We're going to get into the top national news of the day. Obviously, the latest uh, trials and travails of the Biden administration. But uh, just talking a little bit about a local story now. One that impacts a lot of people. A lot of people have uh, commented on this. It's become a, a viral sensation, quite frankly, on social media. The ter- terrible, horrible video of a Lorraine police officer named Elliot Palmer shooting a, a dog uh, that was loose with other dogs in a neighborhood <clears throat> running around. Uh, you know, the worst part of the video, and I'll go to the phone calls in just one second, the, the, the uh, worst part of the video for me is the fact that, again, there were multiple dogs that had been running around. They got loose from their owner. And they're corralling them. And one of them uh, runs right over to the police officer, and he does nothing but shoo it away because it's just trot. I mean, it trots over there in prancing, you know, Labrador fashion, right? Uh, and he just shoes it away. And then his sister, who the dog who was shot, Dixie, follows and does the same exact thing. Trots over there, and 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 suddenly that one's vicious. That one's that one's going to attack me, and it gets you know within what ten feet of him, and he opens fire. 
and then and then shoots it four times, not just once. Shot it once, and it dragged its back legs away across the street. Then shot it three more times. It was, I don't know, it was incomprehensible to me. I don't get it. Where's the threat? What's the justification for that? I normally have the back of cops. But when they do it wrong, like the Memphis police officers, for example, when they do it wrong, um, I'm going to call them out. And I don't think this guy has the temperament or the judgment to be wearing a badge. And much less carrying a, a firearm while wearing a badge. This is just brutal. It's, 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 it's very, very difficult to watch. You sh- but you should watch it anyway to really get, a, get an understanding of just how, how wrong this is. And I, I would be stunned if the Lorraine Police Department doesn't remove him from his position. If they don't fire him, put him on desk duty only or something, because uh, quite frankly, it's a, it's, a very, very, uh, it's a very disturbing thing to see. He has no business being out there if that's his temperament. If he's, if he's in fear of that dog prancing around uh, at that time, then I, don't, I can imagine what would happen if he actually faced a real threat, a criminal, um, a criminal type of threat who actually was a threat to his safety. I, it's bizarre. Rick is in uh, Illyria. Again, like I said, this is touching a lot of people in Lorain County. That's where it happened. Uh, so, Rick, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead. Uh, yeah, Bob, uh, I'm a dog owner. Well, I was. Mine have passed away. But I've chased many beagles uh, throughout my years. And uh, I do, like you, give the police the benefit of the doubt. But I'm also a CCW permit holder. And I just wonder, when I saw that video, mm-hmm. if I was wearing a, a body cam and the exact same thing had happened, and I pulled my gun out, now my understanding is the police are going to investigate this officer. Yeah, the they already they, they already are. Their their office of uh, of professional standards is um, is investigating right now to, to 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 determine whether or not what he did was justified or whether or not it was reckless. But my question is then, would I get the same benefit if they give him the benefit of the doubt? Would I get the same benefit? That's what I kind of wonder. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, you know, as a CCW holder, you would probably be judged as to whether or not you felt you were in personal enough danger to to discharge your weapon against an animal like that, whereas an officer is also tasked with protecting the public. It's his job. There could be, and I don't know how this is going to turn out. I'm just giving you all of the possibilities here. There could be um, a view of this, you know, that when they evaluate his his conduct and and look at it, look at it compared to the professional standards, that he had a responsibility not only to protect himself, but if he felt like the dog was vicious, that it could attack somebody else. He's got that on his side where you probably wouldn't. You would just have to prove that you yourself felt like you were in danger, and therefore you uh, you had to shoot the animal. Um, so probably well, you wouldn't be you, well, you, you you wouldn't have the same exact you probably wouldn't have the same exact level of scrutiny and you also wouldn't have the same exact level of defense as an officer would I think in a similar situation. Right, and I understand that, but at the same time, to shoot him four times yeah. when the dog is dragging himself away, now that seems pretty excessive. Uh, you know, in that 
Yeah, it it does to me too. And like I said, you know, he shot it once, and and, and I don't know what kind of medical condition the dog would have been in with just the one shot but the dog retreated obviously it had just been shot it retreated and ran away as best it could on two legs because it was basically dragging its back legs it was probably shot in the in the hips or something i don't know but he was dragging itself it was no longer a threat to the officer or anybody else why he would need to fire three more times uh, as it retreated across the street is a mystery to me and that's one of the reasons why i'm i'm very very disgusted by the video and i'm very very strong in my belief that this guy shouldn't be on the force he should not be he should I not, agree. if that's his I judgment agree. and temperament uh, he should not be on the force in my opinion yeah i agree all right rick hey thanks for the call i appreciate that i mean uh again and uh, you know i know a few lorraine cops i don't know him um, but you know, I've had exchanges with a few, few, uh, Lorraine cops and, you know, good guys all, uh, and you know, and maybe they see this differently. I'm going to try to reach out to some of them. They probably won't be, be able to talk about it because it's an ongoing investigation, but I'll try to reach out and see what they have to say about it. But again, if you're a law enforcement officer too, if you have seen that video, I would love your opinion on it. You don't have to be a cop, but I'm just saying I would like to know from law enforcement officers who have seen that video, whether or not they would have done the same thing and whether or not they think, um, you know, discipline and, and even up to termination is in order here. I'll tell you one thing. Given the staffing issues that so many departments have, they can't get guys to take the badge because of the anti-police atmosphere that is in the country right now and everything ever since especially. I mean, yeah, it's, you can go back to 2014, go back to, you know, uh, uh, Michael Brown and Ferguson and, and, and the, the, the railroad they tried to do to Darren Wilson there. I mean, you can go back to a number of high-profile cases, but obviously, specifically since the George Floyd thing, uh, you know, the atmosphere around cops is, is, is terrible right now, and you can't get guys to take jobs. So they probably don't want to be firing officers for every indiscretion, every mistake that is made, or every you know disciplinary action doesn't have to be termination. They, it's hard to get these guys to come and, and apply and go through the academy and take the job and work now. But um, in my estimation, it's better to have no cop than a bad cop. Or it's not, when I say bad cop, that can be taken to mean a number of ways. You know, obviously, there are bad cops who are on the take, bad cops who are, uh, you know, into criminal activity. I don't mean bad cop that way, but I mean just not good at the job, not good at making judgments and snap decisions that are the right decisions, like in this particular case, I think, is is the reality of it. Uh, Chuck in Cleveland. Hi, Chuck. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Hey, hey, Bob. I, I believe that... This man not, should not be permitted to carry a gun. He should have that right taken away from him. Did he you see the video? Did you see the video, Chuck? Firearm again. Yeah. Did you watch the video, Chuck? Or are you just going by my description? I have not seen the video. Marianne told me about it. Yeah. Yeah. I have um, not seen the video. All I've heard is what's on the radio. Right. And right. The, the doggy comes running over, all friendly. He just wants to be petted. Wants to snip you. Yeah, well, and you just want, in, in, in this case, they were just all running around in play mode. I mean, I'm watching the, right. I, I'm looking at it again and again as I talk, and it's hard to do because I'm, you know, it's well, not Labrador easy to watch. But playful. Sure they they want to come up, they want to snip you, pet me, pet me, and then yeah. go back to their other doggies. Yeah, and, you and, know? Um, and you know, and, and again, the first one that ran over to him, he shooed away, and it ran, and then the other one came running over to him. It's just like, there's a new person. Let's Why go check him out. Why would he be afraid, then? 
I don't know. You know, I don't know. That's the reason. That's, that's the reason it's a Let story. It go on its merry way. Yeah, it's a real. That's the reason it's a story. That's the reason why there is, uh, you know, such an outcry in Lorraine and in Lorraine County over this from dog lovers, and you know, maybe there's other people who are going to side with the officer. I don't know, but I do know that it is a very disturbing video, and I did not see any reason, justifiably or or otherwise, for him to have uh, pulled out his weapon and fired. That dog was not vicious. That dog was not snarling. That dog was not a um, a threat. I don't believe to that officer, but that's just my opinion from what i've heard you and marianne and other people it guy got no right carrying a firearm period well you know i I won't i won't take his badge yeah i was gonna say i i I don't i won't necessarily say he should be stripped of his second amendment rights but i'll tell you what he shouldn't be carrying a firearm if he's wearing a badge because that badge confers trust and and the trust that you have in somebody wearing that badge is that they're going to use good judgment and not bad judgment and shoot a dog that's running around with a bunch of other dogs that are running around. I don't understand how he felt yes. like that dog was. He used one. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He uh, recklessly. Yeah, there you go. That's, and, and, and that's what I think. That it, that's what I think it was too. I think it was reckless. Uh, he reckless should not decision. be permitted to have one because right. he doesn't know how to use it. Chuck, I appreciate your view, my friend. Thank you for the call. Uh, let me go to uh, West Park. Jim, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. What say you, Jim? Yeah, um, Bob, you know, I was over at TJ's house, and his uh, <clears throat> last German Shepherd tore my arm off. And uh, You have one it, arm? Yeah, tore my arm off. We were, we were out on the front porch. So you have one arm right now? tore my arm off, and... Oh. He got a taste of bad meat, and he eventually lost his life. Uh, he got cancer or something, and and he got a taste of bad meat. Okay, what does that have to do with the shooting situation? The, he had to have his dog uh, uh, taken out because of an illness after biting bad meat, meat. I understand what you're saying. I'm asking, do you have a point of view on this shooting in Lorraine of this dog? I'm trying to make a connection here. Uh, there's, there is no connection. But when you bite somebody <laughs> that is bad meat... You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Bad meat, either. And uh, number one and number two, this dog didn't bite anybody. Uh, this is a dog that was running up toward the police officer, and he shot him and killed him. So that you know, that's the, that that's the nature of the story. I, I'm, try, I'm trying to make a connection to what you're saying. About... There is no connection. Okay. It's, well, then th- it's 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 if. Jim, Jim, thanks for the call. I I don't understand the purpose of the call if there's no connection. I once got bit by a dog, and that dog one, uh, then uh, then died. Um, I, I don't understand the point of the call. If anybody has any thoughts on the the shooting in Lorraine, by all means, we'll do it. But we do have other things to get into, which we'll do next on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. You know, I uh, just got a text message uh, about this story that is a good point, too, that there could very well be charges over... Uh, uh, got under Goddard's law. I don't know exactly what Goddard's law says, but I do know that it's about cruelty to animals um, and intentionally harming animals. Obviously, it's named after, I believe, the late Dick Goddard, uh, the beloved meteorologist, Dick Goddard, who was such a uh, such an animal rights activist. Um, but there may be something there as well. Um, I'm going to see if I can pull this up super quick here. Goddard's law... 
uh, HB 274 um, was passed, and this is the Animal Rights Coalition, and I'm just going to try to see exactly what it says super quick. Under Goddard's law, it's a fifth-degree felony uh, on the first offense for anyone to knowingly cause serious physical harm to a companion animal. Serious physical harm is designed to mean, or defined to mean, uh, physical harm that carries a substantial risk of death. Shooting it would qualify. Physical harm that involves either partial or total permanent incapacity. Physical harm that involves acute pain of a duration that results in a substantial suffering. Okay, so I think we get the point here. So it could be a fifth-degree felony if he is uh, charged under Goddard's law. I'm not sure if he would. And then the uh, message I got also said uh, it could very well be considered reckless discharge of a firearm. Whether you're a police officer or not, that could be a case. That could be a charge. But uh, like I said, it's uh, it's just a very disturbing thing, and there are a lot of dog owners uh, that are very upset by this. And quite frankly, there's just a lot of not not a lot of people who are not dog owners, but are just you know uh, animal lovers, and who just think this is reckless and careless and callous. And I am among those. Uh, I'm a dog watcher. I'm a grand pup. Uh, you know, I've got a grand pup, my son's dog that we watch and and dogs sit a lot for. Um, uh, but but it's not that reason that I feel this way. I just feel like this guy completely overreacted to a very, very controllable situation. And as I say, you know, for people who have not watched the video, I get it. All you have to go on is my description, but I'm trying to be as complete as I can as we just kind of kind of explain this. Uh, the dogs were loose, and uh, they were trying to corral them in the front, front yard of the house where they belonged. Uh, one of them ran directly up at the police officer and just prancing away, ha-ha, and the officer just shoes him away. I'm watching it again right now, and then his sister does the same thing. Starts running directly over to the officer, same way the other one did. Uh, just prancing over, not teeth bared and snarling or growling or anything like that. And then this, the second time, with the second dog, he just pulls his gun out and fires. And then as the dog runs away, a good 20, 25 feet away, in, and, uh, in the street and across the street, he fires three more times. Just, just a bizarre, bizarre scenario. So if you've got thoughts on it, I certainly welcome. I'm going to do a segment on this on True Blue today, by the way, my law enforcement TV show. If you have not yet subscribed to True Blue, by the way, please do so. It's, it's, it's like a few nickels. It's four ninety nine a month. I mean, honestly, it's a few nickels a, a day. Uh, it, uh, for the uh, True Blue Factual Streaming Network, which you can access at watchtrueblue.com. My show is called True Blue Today. We cover uh, crime stories. We cover law enforcement. We cover policing. And this will be a story I talk about. And uh, quite frankly, I'm going to say on the uh, TV show, uh, unless something changes between now and the time I film again, uh, that we're saying right here that some officers really have no business being on the job if they can't even be charged or, I'm sorry, trusted to uh, uh, make a right to, the right decision uh, when it comes to a dog situation like this. Okay, that is obviously just a local story. It is not the most important story. The most important stories we're going to talk about with Peter Kirstenau coming up after the top of the hour, including the uh, latest on the cocaine bust at the White House. Uh, the cokehead in... in, in uh, um, uh, chief, I guess, uh, is what we'll do. If, if Joe Biden is the commander-in-chief, his son is the cokehead-in-chief, um, was at the White House on Friday, we have confirmed. Uh, we have confirmed that he left for the weekend with his father for Camp David, and uh, we have confirmed that there was nobody at the White House on Sunday at the time that the cocaine was dis- was uh, uh, was discovered. 
the White House, including Corrine Jean-Pierre, who's black and gay. Did you know she's, she's black and she's gay? It was important for them to let you know that she's black and gay, so we'll, we'll make sure we note that every time. The uh, black and gay press secretary uh, said she is not going to comment on this because she doesn't want to address hypotheticals. So she's not going to talk about this. She is going to try to tell you lies and tell you that the cocaine was found in a place where a common area where a lot of visitors get to come in. So that cocaine could have been brought by anybody. She's lying because it wasn't. And uh, But what she did say, she's not going to answer hypothetical questions about whether or not the White House would support and the president would support prosecution of whosoever, whoever brought the cocaine to the White House. She said, I'm not going to answer hypotheticals. And I responded to that on, on social media, and I'm going to respond to it here, too. Does this diversity hire know what a hypothetical is? There is no hypothetical here. It's a direct question. Does the president support prosecution of the person who brought cocaine to the White House? That is not hypothetical. Hypothetical would be is if you threw some hypotheses in there. If you said, if the person is this, would the president support that? If the person is that, would the president support this? If you throw ifs and thens in there, that can be hypothetical. This is a direct question. Does the White House support the prosecution, or does the president support the prosecution of whomever it was? And she would not answer that question. And there's a reason. You and I know both know what it is. Because the answer to that question would mean, if she says yes, of course, that the president would be committing to prosecute his own son. Because there is nobody else who has access to that area of the West Wing. It's not a visitor, highly traveled and trafficked visitor area. And, and people who come in through the visitor's area on the, in, uh, on the side of the West Wing are all videotaped. They're all on camera. They're all, they all go through security searches, including drug-sniffing dogs, and it, it just could not come that way. But Hunter Biden comes in through the east uh, entrance with his father, and he, of course, is subject to no scrutiny whatsoever, no security checks or anything else. So the idea that this would be anybody other than Hunter is laughable, which is why Karine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary the diversity hire press secretary will not commit to pushing and pressing charges on the individual who brought cocaine into the White House. But I will say this, as we move toward the top of the hour in Peter Kersenow, and he'll address this too, I'm really, really proud of the President of the United States for doing exactly what he said he would do when he said he would bring dignity back to the White House. It was only a couple of weeks ago that he had naked transvestites running around flaunting their fake breasts for cameras on the White House lawn. Two weeks later, there's coke in the West Wing. Yes. Thank you, Mr. President, for bringing dignity back to the White House after that orange man sullied it so badly. Curse and now after the top of the hour. Always right radio, AM 1420, the answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve 
for our children this the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Onward we roll into our number two. Good Thursday to you. Thanks for being with us. It is the sixth morning of the seventh month in the year of our Lord, 2023. And uh, we're still trying to figure out whose Coke was it. If you really have to think that hard, you just have not been paying attention to the news. Uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre, the black and gay press secretary, the diversity hire, uh, says that you know what, um, we're not going to answer hypothetical questions. And, uh, you know, that was in an area where it's really heavily trafficked. There's a lot of people who come through there. could have been anybody. You've got a crackhead son of the President of the United States in the West Wing, somebody who was able to bring something into the White House that an ordinary person would not because an ordinary person would be subject to security searches and maybe even dogs, uh, 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 drug-sniffing dogs. <coughs> Excuse me. Whereas a crackhead son gets to come through the family entrance with the president himself, and we're wondering whose cocaine it is. It's just a mystery. I wonder if Peter Kersenow can crack this one for us. Peter Kersenow is a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He is an author, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. He is a sometimes columnist, a sometimes law professor, and an all-the-time great guy joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Pete, good morning, my friend. How are you? Doing pretty good. Uh, thanks for that great introduction. Yeah, I don't know who uh, brought the cocaine in there. I mean, it's a real mystery. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All you have to know is when Corrine Jean-Pierre says, well, you know, a lot of people use that, that uh, entrance, the, you know right then they've already made the determination that they're not going to acknowledge this. They know who did it, and end of story. I will say I've been through that entrance. I've, you know, I've been subject to search. I had gone to the West Wing a number of times uh, during my career. And uh, there's no way in the world, first of all, that anybody who is not a family member would ever dare think about bringing any contraband into the White House. I mean, just as a matter of human nature, no one does that. So to claim that it's somebody else, you know, but, but beyond that, what kind of administration is this where their visitors would be bringing cocaine into the White House? Exactly. You wouldn't even... Think about doing that in a Reagan, Bush, Trump White House, or even, you know, an Obama White House, I, I guess. I don't know. But nonetheless, that is just ridiculous. The whole thing is implied. Everyone knows what's going I mean, on here. I mean, Peter, what, forget, about, forget about who it is. And your point, by the way, is a good one. Nobody would do that in other administrations. But just what civilian, knowing that this is one of the most secure buildings in the United States of America, um, that there are security precautions taken at the White House that you cannot find anywhere else other than maybe the Capitol, and it depends on the day. But but the reality is it's one of the most security. What civilian, if they're visiting the White House, in, if for any reason whatsoever, whether it be a tour group or whether it be a visitor of another person who works there who's allowed to have access, would bring cocaine into the White House? The only type of person who would do something as 
dangerous is that? Knowing you'd be arrested and, and probably charged with a whole lot of stuff, much more than just simple possession of cocaine, if you brought it to the White House. The only person you can even imagine doing so is somebody who knows he wouldn't be searched. Somebody who knows he wouldn't be searched and he wouldn't be trouble if he did get discovered with it because he is a known crackhead to everybody, including his father. The idea that this would be somebody who just visited on a tour group, as Kareem Jean-Pierre wants us to believe, is just ludicrous on its face. Yeah, precisely. And just a couple of days ago, we saw a video of Hunter going, what, 175 miles an hour while smoking crack and, and filming himself doing it in a Porsche. Yeah. This is a guy who's extraordinarily reckless. And the type of people who go into the White House, you know, I mean, going through that entrance, there are a lot of folks in there that go through that entrance who have, you know, you know major titles and careers. And you know that you would be completely destroying your career if you got caught with any kind of contraband. No one even think or contemplate doing it. Plus, and I know this is no longer a concept, especially in the Biden White House, but the honor and dignity of the, of the White House. Um, most people who go into the White House act with a certain sense of decorum. It's kind of like, and I don't mean to be drawing this analogy, but you get it. It's kind of like going into church. Uh, you don't desecrate the church by going in there with, you know, jeans on. Well, a lot of people do, I guess, these days. But, but Coke and, you know, smoking uh, marijuana or anything of, of that nature. But Hunter Biden has shown himself to understand that he's beyond the reach of ordinary law, of the conventions and norms that the rest of us follow. And, uh, you know, he knows that the press is going to do whatever they can to say, oh, I wonder who that could have been. Have no idea. Wonder what happened there. No, this is a completely corrupt. This is probably the smallest example of the utter corruption of this administration and the media. It's the smallest example, but it's a good example to highlight because it tells you the unprecedented nature of even the most minor, and let's face it, this is not like selling secrets to the Chinese, but even the most minor infraction is waved away, is ignored, the press doesn't care about it, and we all know we could have done this game every single day. We can play the game of what if it had been you know, Donald Trump Jr., Every single day you can do that. This, the media has so corrupted and debased itself. I think that's, to some extent, even a bigger story than this corrupt administration. Yeah, and, and, and Pete, I'll, I'll make this the last part of this. I, it, you know, One of the other lines by the uh, press secretary is this one. Listen to this super quick. You know, the president... uh, hold on a second, doggone it. We didn't have it properly set up. Here we go. Um, is proud to have restored the rule of law. Uh, in his administration, and I can tell you here, and I can tell you now, that he will not exploit uh, his the uh, his office with conventions at the White House, like it was done in the last administration. He will not do that uh, in his uh, on the South Lawn in his administration. I can uh, uh, I can assure you that will not happen. The money line being the first one. The president is proud to have restored the rule of law in his administration. There's cocaine in the White House, an illicit substance. And Peter, what I wanted to bring up here was between that one and just two weeks ago during Pride Month, naked right. transvestites exactly running, around, <laughs> right, running around on the White House lawn, southeast, I don't even know what lawn it was, running around uh, nude in front of cameras. And this is a president who said that he would restore dignity to the White House after the White House was so sullied by that orange man for the four previous years. Does that look dignified to you? What, what bothers me as much as that is the flying of the trans flag in violation of the code. Um, it was at the same level and in the middle uh, between two American flags. Right. Um, 
Bob, you and I know a lot of people who fought for that flag and died for that flag. Not, not, not the trans flag, sorry, but the American flag. Understood. And the President of the United States and whomever, because the, the folks, the groundskeepers and others in the White House, they know with punctilious perfection what the protocols are for the flag and anything related thereto. So that was something that was directed by someone within the administration. I doubt that Biden did it, and I doubt that Biden even knows what the protocols are. But somebody within the administration did that. that that's significant. At the same time, we don't have the same kind of celebration for on, on Memorial Day, for example. Did you see the same kind of, you know, ballyhooed celebration from the White House with respect to those who gave their lives Not in the defense of the United States of America? No. And the left likes to, you know... Just well, how about Tuesday? How about, how about Tuesday? How about on Independence Day, Peter? Just right. since you brought up Memorial Day, we also just had another pa- uh, patriotic... I didn't see anything anywhere close to the festivities and the pomp and circumstance they gave to Pride Month on their little Pride Day thing. I'm sorry, continue. Yeah, right, well, you know, uh, exactly. I can't even put it any better than that. But your, win- your, your listeners know precisely what's going on here, despite the fact that the press is in, le- in allegiance with this particular or alliance with this particular administration. They're on all fours with respect to desecrating the United States, the flag, the people who've served it, and making a mockery of our institutions. That's what they have done unequivocally. And yet we have to hear about Trump all the time. Trump's mean tweets, or he did this, or he did that. These folks are tearing apart the foundational elements of the United States of America, and the press doesn't even blink. And again, I'm spending a lot of time on the press, but the press, being the fourth estate, holds in check to a large measure what the excesses are of the other three branches of the government. And they don't hold this administration to ch- in check at all. They encourage it. They lie about it. They promote it. It's, it's uh, something that's extraordinarily troubling, and, you know, it's, it's imperative that we get a Republican. I mean, this is not political screed. We have to get somebody other than Democrats in there because the Democrats are not acting in the interest of the United States of America and are derogating everything about the foundational aspects of the United States of America. Yeah, I think that's very well said. And, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and do whataboutism and do comparisons all the time with Trump, but I, I feel like I have to, in large part because of what you just to, said with the media. You know, and we shouldn't be shying away from that, you know, because we have to show the stark example, whether it's Trump or anybody else, but we have to show the incredible hypocrisy that's doing damage to this country. Just imagine CNN's Chiron. Imagine the New York Times headline of the Washington Post if there was cocaine found in the West Wing of the Trump White House. Just try, try! I mean, all mm-hmm. of the things that we say this every time there's a new scandal uh, with with the Biden family, we we say, "Oh, imagine if it was Trump." Imagine, but we have to for crying out loud. How about this, Pete? How about this one? Uh, imagine if this was uh, the Trump White House too. There was a story in the New York Times over the weekend about Hunter Biden's daughter in Arkansas. Uh, does the president yeah. acknowledge this little girl as his granddaughter? I don't have anything to share from here. I don't have anything to share from here. Right, Joe Biden will not acknowledge his grandchild, his son's love child, his illegitimate love child, that he wouldn't support, that he wouldn't acknowledge, as if this child somehow committed some sort of crime that that makes it unworthy of recognition as a Biden. The mother, of course, had petitioned to be able to, to have Biden as her last name since Hunter is her biological father. But this child doesn't warrant Biden-level status. If I hate to do it, but here we are. Can you imagine if Eric Trump 
or Donald Trump Jr. had an illegitimate child that he wouldn't recognize, would not take care of, would not, would not. When I say recognize, meaning recognize as uh, as their own child, and maybe even legitimately, physically recognize because he doesn't see her. Uh, and Do- Donald Trump wouldn't even acknowledge the existence of this grandchild, the heartless, cruel, callousness that he would be accused of, and they would be right about if he was in the White House. In addition, um. Biden, the, uh, Hunter Biden, was arguing that the child should not have access to his name. Mm-hmm. I can't think of something more demeaning. In other words, ignoring your own offspring in that fashion, treating them as a piece of trash. That's not an exaggeration. This is truly an astonishing family. They are, they are a despicable family. They happen to be president. But, but think about this. He fought child support to limit it to a certain amount. Now, I don't begrudge somebody saying, well, you know, I can't afford X number of dollars and, you know, what I'm paying is correct and is sufficient. But Hunter Biden, last time I looked, he got millions of dollars from the Chinese. Millions. That's unequivocal. We know that. He got millions of dollars for the Chinese for doing absolutely nothing. There was no service other than selling his father's influence, no product, millions of dollars, and not a pittance of that could even be given to his grand, to his child, to his child, and the Biden family will not acknowledge her, won't invite her for. They invite everybody in the world to the Christmas celebrations, but not her. And think about the psychological impact on that child. Not right now. The child probably doesn't know what's going on, doesn't have an appreciation for it. But at some point, she's going to understand that her father rejected her at every turn. Her father, who had millions of dollars in ill-gotten gains from our chief adversary, couldn't even take a portion of that and give it to his daughter. This is a despicable family. They are a horrible they are. family. They are the kind They're of family that even if, you, even if they weren't president, senator, whatever it was, you wouldn't have want to have your family members associating with them because they are lowlifes and they drag down everybody and everything around them. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. And and oh, by the way, this little girl may not understand, you know, all of it right now, as you just pointed out. But someday she's going to realize that my grandpa was the president of the United States, the president of the United States, and he did not even acknowledge my existence. Uh, you don't think that's going to have an impact on her, much less father, her dad. But her grandpa was the president, and this is the way he treated her. And oh, by the way, as far as the millions that Hunter made from China, also millions from Romania and Ukraine as well. Not only did the daughter, the granddaughter, the uh, the unrecognized granddaughter, not get a nickel of that, neither neither did the American people because he refused to pay his taxes on it, and then got a, fi- a sweetheart of a deal after the five year investigation, which was obstructed at every turn by the FBI. After the five year IRS investigation was concluded, he got a slap on the wrist. So um, just just the the two tiered system of justice. I know people get tired of that phrasing but it's real it is real and it is something we have to acknowledge and accept uh, we've never had something quite like this in the united states of america never. before not at all and okay. and bob you and i've heard from many rank and file people many more than I've, I've ever had before and a lot of sober people people who never would have said it before who think that like vdh thinks we may be over we may be done yeah. you don't come back from this kind of corruption uh, completely agree. Peter Kirsten, I will take a time out here. It's 1023. Uh, we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about Harvard. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Supreme Court decision on affirmative action that you and I discussed last week at the very end of the week uh, and whether or not Harvard is going to comply. They say they will follow the rules, but they also say we're not going to change what we do. How can they do both? We'll talk about that next on Always Right Radio. 
1025 now. Let's continue with Peter Kirstenau on AM 1420. The answer, Peter Kirstenau has been an integral figure in uh, a Supreme Court case that was just decided uh, and announced last week. And that, of course, is the uh, Students for Fair Admission against Harvard, as well as uh, against the University of North Carolina, uh, over race-based admissions policies and racial discrimination. Pete filed a brief with the court on this case, which was cited by uh, Justice Clarence Thomas in uh, his uh, writing for the majority Pete, I'm looking a little bit at the summary of your argument right now. Um, I, I don't want to read it if I've got you here. If you weren't here, I'd read it. But why don't you give us the gist of what you what you uh, filed with the court? Right. What we did, now there are a number of amicus briefs filed by some of the best attorneys in the country. And each, if you know what you're doing, and this is not my first rodeo with the Supreme Court. I've done a number of these. What you try to do, you want to be smart about it and, and cabin your remarks. That is, you want to address a certain issue. It may not be the overarching issue. It may not be the one that drives the court ultimately, but it's something that uh, contributes to the court's deliberations. So what my colleague, Gail Harriet on the Civil Rights Commission and I decided to do um, was to attack the whole premise of the old Grutter and Gratz cases that were the, the law uh, prior to this case. And that is that there are no distinct educational benefits that derive from having a diverse student body. That was the purported justification for allowing colleges to discriminate, because there are some benefits that come from such discrimination by having a diverse student body. And what we were saying was, ho, 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 wait a minute here. Almost every university in the country discriminates, uh, and on top of that, almost every country in, in the country segregates segregates in terms of classes, in terms of dorm rooms, in terms of graduations, in terms of events. They actively segregate. And Bob, you and I have discussed the numerous letters I've sent to various institutions saying, cease and desist. Stop doing this. Somebody's going to bring a lawsuit against you guys, and it may be, you know, I don't have the, the authority under the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. It would have to be the Office of Civil Rights within the Department of Justice, and currently they are not interested at all in enforcing the law when it comes to discrimination, because they're all in favor of it. But this is the, the punitive damages... I'm sorry, the, um, uh, uh, the, the gist of this, and there are a number of other arguments, is that there are no educational benefits that you can show deriving from diverse student body if you continue to segregate. But even if you didn't segregate, there is no intrinsic or extrinsic uh, evidence whatsoever that having a diverse student body improves academic performance overall or does anything pedagogical, nothing whatsoever. And Clarence Thomas said, why are we deferring to the very institutions that's discriminating? That's the dumbest thing in the world. That's like deferring to the Klan. You know, you don't, tell, you don't say to somebody, well, we're going to allow you to determine what the standards are going to be for discrimination. No, no, no. We have laws that do that. So in any event, that's kind of the gist of our argument, that it, this was a complete violation of even the Grutter and Gratz standards. It's total violation when it comes to UNC. They're the dual cases, Harvard and UNC. Sure. Total violation of Title VI, non-discrimination. Your average non-lawyer gets it. Maybe better than lawyers who've graduated these days from Harvard and Yale who've gotten this idea that, well, there's good discrimination and bad discrimination. No, I see that nowhere in my Constitution under the 14th Amendment. Discrimination, racial discrimination, because, among other things, if you didn't need to know it, we have a history in this country that shows, hey, discrimination didn't work out all that well for too many people. But if you didn't understand your history, intuitively, most people who have an IQ sufficient to get into Harvard understand that. So when you do something like that, among other things, 
I mean, if we're up to me, if Harvard decides to continue doing this, which I've predicted they will, I think a lot of schools... Hold, hold that wanted... thought, Pete. Pete, hold that thought, because they are essentially saying they're going to do that. I've, I've got to get to the news break here. I want you to finish that and respond to that on the other side. But it is astounding, and as you also pointed out in that brief, uh, that they're doing this ostensibly, they say, to uh, you know for diversity, and because there, there is a benefit, uh, a pedagogical benefit to having a diverse community on the same campus, yet they segregate themselves by dorms, and as you point out, in a number of other ways as well so it defeats the entire argument we'll, we'll finish up on this and we'll have a lot more for you coming up with curse now on am 1420 the answer life liberty and the pursuit of happiness always right radio with bob france on the answer Okay, 1036. Let's continue now with Peter Kersenow. We've got him for about another 20. Uh, Pete, before the uh, affirmative action decision from the Supreme Court was handed down in the higher uh, education cases of Harvard and uh, the University of North Carolina, you expected it to be a little weaker than what it turned out to be. They were going to leave them wiggle room. And most people see this as the end of to affirmative action in admissions. Um but there is wiggle room. They did leave some. And I want you to talk about this. Quoting now um, from William Jacobson at Fox, SCOTUS invalidated the race-conscious practices of Harvard and UNC, holding that under the 14th Amendment, a student must be treated based on his or her experiences as an individual, not on the basis of race. That is a very important statement of our guiding constitutional principles. Yet already, schools like Harvard are suggesting they will skirt the ruling by considering applicants' experience with race, as opposed to the applicant's race itself. These games are not surprising and have been in the works for months. So, Peter... um, can we expect that universities, not just Harvard, but other universities, will do the same thing? Well, if we can't, they won't let us actually consider race as a factor, but we can experience, or excuse me, we can consider people's experience with race. They, they're going to go on doing the exact same thing and denying others fair opportunities. Yeah, Bill, Bill Jacobson is exactly right. and He's been fighting this battle for a long time. He's a Cornell Law professor, and he files a lot of these actions with the OCR with respect to discrimination on the basis of race at the various institutions, and he's exactly right. This is what we've predicted, that they would find ways, and they began, you know, over a year ago, two years ago, when they started abandoning use of the ACT and SAT or any other objective measures, because if you use those, then plaintiffs can show quite clearly, as they did in the Harvard case, that they're discriminating on the basis of race, because you can find that, for example, Asian Americans who have nearly perfect SAT scores are 10 times less likely to be admitted than uh black or Hispanic applicants who've got maybe very good SAT scores, but nowhere near what the Asians got, 600, uh, for example, SAT scores. So if you don't have those objective measures, it's a lot easier to engage in subtle discrimination. In any event, they're going to be doing this. I'm sorry for that uh, noise right now. We, we changed our computers here. No worries. <laughs> it no reflects worries. whenever I get phone calls. But okay. in any event, um, they're going to be doing that. And I would argue that if they've already indicated, and there have been a lot of suggestions that they're going to be doing just that, uh, but if they're going to do that, and I think that you know we'll find ways of being able to discern the fact that they're doing that, because they can't completely obfuscate the discrimination. That's not going to happen. It's an almost impossibility to do because of the egregious and, and substantial amount of discrimination. Then at that particular point, I think that 
even though Harvard has a $50 billion endowment and can weather a considerable amount of damages, the next plaintiffs need to go for punitive damages on this because they have flouted the law if they do this. They did things in such an underhanded manner. They've willfully and uh, wantonly disregarded what the Supreme Court uh, has has said. I think that it would be a nice little cottage industry for some group of plaintiff's lawyers to go after the Harvards with $50 billion in endowment, or the UNCs, or the Yales, or anybody else who's engaged in discrimination. Hit them hard where it counts, because the worst thing we can have is for our elite class to think that they can, first of all, flout the law, number two, engage in what they consider to be good discrimination. They get to decide what discrimination is and what's good for us little people. That is, that is reprehensible, and we have to hit them where it hurts. Yeah, and and you know that is exactly what they do. Uh, they they make decisions uh, that are completely different. Again, I know people hate, the, and I don't like the redundancy either of two tiered system of justice. But is there any other way to look at this? Is there any way uh, any other way to look at what uh, the Biden administration and, quite frankly, most of the Democrats in the federal government do compared to what they expect the rest of the, the little people, as you say, to do? Um, Peter, I want to I want to pivot now and, and ask you about another story. Um, this is the White House response to the judge in Louisiana, Judge Doherty or Doty, I beg your pardon, in response to a First Amendment case uh, and an argument made by two attorneys general, the attorneys general in Missouri and in Louisiana, uh, about the federal agencies and the White House itself collaborating and colluding, they love that word, with social media companies to silence dissenting points of view from conservative Americans. This is the White House response. Let me go to the back. Go ahead. Thanks, Karine. I wanted to ask about this decision we saw yesterday in Louisiana on the White House contact with social media companies. Does the White House have a response to the judge basically saying that this is the most massive attack on free speech in the U.S. history? So, as you know, DOJ is reviewing uh, the decision, the injunction, and so I don't want to get ahead of, of, what, uh, of what, uh, what they will uh, evaluate and their options could potentially be, so I'm not going to get ahead of the DOJ. Uh, if you're asking me if we agree or disagree, we certainly disagree uh, with this decision, and as I said, the DOJ is reviewing this, so I'm not going to get ahead of what uh, their evaluation, what options they're going to uh, potentially take. And, and and what what the judge did here essentially is that it stopped he stopped all communications between the White House and these agencies or excuse me and these platforms social media platforms as well as other federal agencies from uh, you know encouraging or suggesting much less coercing decisions to uh, to censor suppress silence terminate suspend accounts etc cetera, etc cetera, uh, for things that they do not agree with Peter Kirstenau what do you make of what the judge did here in the White House response well it, the opinion is 155 pages I skimmed it but got the gist of it mm-hmm. and um, I mean I can't tell you with certainty that I agree with every aspect of it but certainly the outcome it is a violation of the First Amendment it is the essence of a violation of the First Amendment for the government to tell platforms what to print or what to broadcast and what not to. And that's what they were doing. We saw the evidence when Elon Musk bought Twitter and revealed all of it. Mm -hmm. And the astonishing scale of it, they were doing amazing amounts of manipulation of information to the point where you had 
experts who study this. When I was up, uh, you know, at, at Tucker's place being interviewed, the guy being interviewed, and forgive me if I just can't remember, he was a professor, he was interview, being interviewed before me, and he, we had a, an opportunity to discuss this. He put together an algorithm to show the percentage effect on the outcome of the election of these kinds of things. And again, don't quote me, I think what he said was it gave Democrats a five-point advantage in the elections. Most elections are decided by a point, if that. A five-point advantage is extraordinary. That's on top of the three-point advantage that Democrats normally get from bias from the media. So the, the legacy media, such as newspapers and television. So we're talking about somewhere between five to eight-point advantage. Think about that. An five to eight-point advantage. How can Republicans ever win under those circumstances? The bottom line here is it was a manipulation of our media to advance a political agenda of the government. That's the essence of the First Amendment. No surprise that all the moaning and groaning about this came from Democrats, because they know as well as anyone else that without this overwhelming media bias, now including social media, they would be relegated to the dustbin of history in many respects because their ideas are objectively lunatic. Defunding the police. I mean, I mean, we could go down. I'm not going to bore you with all the details, but we know the things that are so insane that are showing palpable damage to our society. And yet the media either doesn't report about it or they lie about it or slant the reporting in a way that favors Democrats and hurts Republicans. Peter, all of us have been alive long enough to have seen this. Peter, I want you to respond to the response of the left on this, though. Um <laughs> MSNBC legal analysts are saying not only is this judge's order the wrong order, suggesting that the um, uh, uh, platforms should should not be subject to um, orders or suggestions or directives or whatever from the White House or from the federal agencies when it comes to stopping misinformation. In fact, that they don't go far enough because, quote, election misinformation is a national security issue that should be censored. They want this to continue, and in fact, they want to double down and go further, saying national security is at risk if people are allowed to go online and present what they call election misinformation. And Peter, the the you know the obvious point here is that literally they are the ones who censored actual right. information, the Hunter Biden laptop, uh, a few weeks before the 2020 election. They censored actual verifiable information that would change the outcome of the of the election, and yet they're saying that if you dare to challenge election results, that's misinformation, and thus you are a national security threat that must be silenced from social media. Yeah, as I've said before, I had more respect for the people who work for Pravda than I do for this crowd, because at least Pravda had to do it at the point of a gun. These people do it intentionally. They know what they're doing. And I wonder what they would be saying if... This was the Trump administration who successfully, by the way, I doubt anyone would have cooperated, but if the Trump administration had successfully persuaded Facebook or Twitter or any of the other social media platforms to suppress negative information about Trump or to highlight false information about Biden, they would be squealing like crazy. It's one of these things like, you know, whose ox gets gored. But the First Amendment doesn't care who the ox is or belongs to. Mm-hmm. Okay, it is a matter of this is it's the First Amendment for a reason. The founding fathers understood the importance of a free and unbiased discourse, and what we have here is the thumb of the. It's not even the thumb of the government. They're putting an entire anvil on the yeah. scale in order to favor this administration. We've seen this blatantly so many times. When I mean, I mean, just contrast. And we do, we've been doing this 
part of this, this morning, but it's still useful. Contrast the anvil that they've put on the scale against Trump when for four years with absolutely not an iota of supporting evidence, they claimed Trump was a Russian asset. For four right. years, awarded themselves Pulitzer Prizes. Now we have copious, verifiable evidence that Biden got millions from our chief adversary. Millions well, and provided no service or product that we can see. It, it's worse that, than not having an iota of evidence that he is a Russian asset. It's worse than that, because what could be worse than not having an iota of evidence and still making the claim is literally manufacturing evidence, breaking evidence. To, to you know, that, Now we're talking about fraud, not just pres, uh, misinformation uh, and defamation, quite frankly, but now we're talking about fraud. Peter, I, th- this um, ruling by Judge Doty, though, is not just about information related to elections. What what makes this you right, know, a, the, a, a First good. Amendment? I'm sorry? I'm sorry. Yeah, part of it had to do with COVID. Go ahead. Well, yeah, it had to do it has to do with everything. Essentially, it has to do with everything um, with respect to uh, people challenging the prevailing narrative, uh, and whether it's COVID, vaccines, the origin of COVID, uh, um, the uh, uh, legitimacy and the science behind lockdowns and mask rules and six feet rules. Also, climate change. In other words, anybody who expresses a conservative thought, even if they're not conservatives, because I talked about yesterday Naomi Wolf, Dr. Naomi Wolf, a dyed-in-the-wool left-wing uh, feminist uh, who is just livid over what they did with the uh, uh, with the mRNA vaccines and the shots, and uh, and she is she's been censored as well. They are censoring anybody that offers any conservative point of view because those points of view always uh, uh, clash with uh, the prevailing narrative of the left. So that's what makes this truly such you know arguably as we heard in that clip the biggest free speech violation or attack on the First Amendment uh, in American history. Anybody who disagrees with the government and dares to say so out loud is subject to the penalty of suspension or complete termination and deactivation of accounts. In one part in Judge Doty's opinion that I saw that jumped out at me was this. He says, each example, each example of suppression was of conservatives. Each and every example of suppression was of conservatives. Every single one of them. There's not one that went in an opposite direction. That tells you the impact of government suppression of speech, the government manipulation. This is extraordinary what's going on here. And because we ostensibly have a free society, ostensibly we have a democratic republic and not a communist or a dictatorial republic, we think that, well, maybe that's not happening or we're going to be okay. This is the predicate for having totalitarianism. That's not an exaggeration. I usually try to <laughs> not to be uh, to use... Uh, uh, terms such as that. But my goodness, what we are seeing right now, we've not witnessed in the lifetime of this republic. It's dangerous. The founding fathers never anticipated there being an internet or maybe even television. Right. But they understood the importance of the ability. They understood the public square. They understood letters. They understood speaking in the public square. And that's what this was was doing. Speaking in the public square magnified a billion times, and yet the government is manipulating what can be said and how it's said. And again, what's even more frightening is all of the gatekeepers of the media willingly went along with it. Yep. There's not one to that. challenge it and say, wait a minute here. So what we're getting, think about the, as I said, I gave you percentage point advantages that it gives Democrats. But my goodness, Republicans, it's, a, it's, a, it's astonishing that they can get elected at all. But, you know, when you're promoting 
uh, breastfeeding by males and stuff like that, some of that is going to leak through and people are going to say, you know what, these Democrats are lunatics. No question about it. And, and Peter, my last story for you this morning, I was going to give to you anyway just because I wanted to hear your reaction to it, but I can actually tie it to what we were just discussing because <clears throat> the same political party and ideology <clears throat> that tells us to trust the science all the time and then completely lies about the science um, is the same government um, that is that is that brings us this. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's official website has changed. It is now publishing advice for trans and non-binary individuals seeking guidance on how to chest feed their infants. In sections of the Major Health Institute's guidance on breastfeeding, it contains information for those who have had much of their breasts removed in gender reassignment surgeries or for biological males taking hormones to try and grow breasts on how to feed their newborn children. Peter, they tell us to trust the government when it comes to the science, and they want us to, to, to believe that males can breastfeed children. Um, I'm just going to let you take it. Well, a couple of things. I wish we had more time to discuss it, because there's a broader picture here that goes to society, societal decline and collapse. Uh, witness in Rome or Weimar Republic in Germany, uh, you know, Victor Davis Hanson and others have written about this, that you have these elements that establish themselves and exhibit themselves before there's a societal collapse. And this is one of them. Uh, first of all, hardly anybody respects the CDC anymore because they got almost everything with respect to COVID. Every fundamental uh, element of COVID Everything that they told us with respect to masks, with respect to social distancing, with respect to a whole host of issues, they got completely wrong. They got them utterly wrong. Rochelle Walensky uh, and, Dave, and, and, uh, and, and uh, Fauci and the rest of them got virtually everything wrong, and their positions that they got wrong were what we talked about just a moment ago, were the things that the, the administration was trying to pressure social media companies to exploit and to disseminate. Think about it. This is the Center for Disease Control. They're supposed to be medical professionals, I gather, from what I understand, although I'm really, really skeptical these days about that. But you're denying reality. It's it's almost on the verge, again, like the Weimar Republic. It's There's a, a period, a brief period of civilizational insanity that presages things going horribly wrong. And when you're starting to say males breastfeeding and you put out a government document with respect to that, even if you take certain hormones... And I don't, I'm not a, a, a physician, but I don't think you have to be. You have to be somebody who's got maybe two or three brain cells, which is two or three more than Karine Jean-Pierre has. But if you understand that you're taking hormones in order to simulate female lactation, that those hormones have a fairly good probability of finding their way into whatever the baby is ingesting, that is dangerous on steroids. This is irresponsible. We know this. That 40, you know, we've had these hearings at the Civil Rights Commission. This is not something we should be encouraging for a number of reasons. 40% of trans people commit or attempt suicide. Why are we promoting this kind of thing? Why are we promoting something? Again, treat people with compassion, treat people with dignity and respect. It stops when you're talking about doing something that could pose palpable harm to the most defenseless people on earth. This is, I don't have words anymore, Bob. This is evil. That's the best way I can describe it. It's not just insane. It's not just wrong. It's not just laughable. It's evil. 
and it's dangerous for those kids. It's just they, they are exactly what you just said. They're the most defenseless. And, you know, it's bad enough that they want to tear them apart limb from limb when they're in utero. Then they want to go ahead and put them in a man's hairy chest to try to suck on a dry male nipple uh, when they're born. Uh, I can't imagine what those kids are going to be like when they grow up. Uh, Peter Kirsten out. Terrific analysis, as always. Thanks for the, the uh, primer on uh, on the Supreme Court and those uh, directives. Terrific stuff, as always. We'll talk also, to you Also, for the Cleveland Browns, run, day before yesterday, I ran a 4 7 5 40. I know that's not great, okay, but you got linebackers who can't do that. You Remember, ran a 4 7 5? I ran a 4 7 5. A 4 7 5. Prior to that, who I was, was on the watch? Eight. Who was on the watch? Huh? I want to know well, who was on know, the watch. It was my dog. <laughs> Peter Kirsten, now thank you, my friend. Talk to you soon. All right, Bob. Ten fifty-five. We'll be back. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by the Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know. And do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, hour number three underway now. I was just discussing with some uh, people off the air on my text messaging the Lorraine story, the uh, dog shot and killed by a Lorraine police officer a couple of days ago uh, in, in just a horrific video released by Lorraine police. Credit to Lorraine police, by the way, for their transparency in this. Um they they know this is a very touchy situation in Lorraine. And by the way, it's a Thursday, the sixth morning of the seventh month year of our Lord, 2023. Thanks for being with us. Um, they know this is a very, you know, it's a hot-button issue for a lot of people, and it's very touchy and sensitive for a lot of dog owners and just animal lovers. <clears throat> Sadly, there are a lot of people who are both animal lovers, dog lovers, and strong police supporters. I'm one of them. And uh, I don't like the idea of having to, you know, second-guess an officer in a situation like this, but the video doesn't lie. The video shows very, very clearly what happened. It's a terrible situation. It's a terrible decision. Uh, And it makes me question whether or not this guy should be on the force. FOP Lodge Number 3 President Jamie Ball said in a statement that the union will wait for the department's internal investigation to be complete before commenting on the facts of the case. Bell said the FOP has confidence in the department and feel, quote, a more accurate account of the events will be provided, end quote, once the investigation is done. He did speak to the character of the officer involved in that shooting, uh, Elliot Palmer, uh, stating he is a highly trained, competent, and qualified officer 
and a decent, compassionate, and caring man on and off duty. So it's kind of interesting. He said he wasn't going to give a statement, but made that statement, and also said, quote, We understand yesterday's events were upsetting and unfortunate. The FOP asks its supporters and the citizens of Lorraine to allow the investigation to conclude and bring all the facts to light, end quote. And that is, of course, fair. That is a very fair request. Let everything come to light. Get all of the information for it. I think the release of the video is a very, very big step in that process. And again, kudos to Lorraine police leadership for releasing that, knowing that it's hot button, knowing that it's going to be upsetting to a lot of people, knowing it's going to make the officer look very, very bad. But they were committed to uh, the um, uh, to the uh, transparency of this, and I'm very, very uh, happy about that. Uh, a petition has been started called Justice for Dixie. It's been circulating on Facebook. Uh, it got about 900 signatures uh, as of Monday night. This just happened then. This is Thursday. That's four days ago. She plans to present the petition to the mayor of Lorraine, Jack Bradley, to terminate the police officer. She said, quote, when I saw the video, it was horrific, probably one of the saddest things I've ever seen. I'm a pet owner. I have four dogs. I'm an advocate for animals. I just felt compelled that somebody should speak on the dog's behalf. Somebody should help the family. And I feel strongly that this police officer executed this dog in the middle of the street, in the middle of the afternoon, with families and children outside, with no remorse. Um... The daughter of Tammy Kearns, the dog owner, said she arrived at her parents' house after Dixie had been shot. She said Dixie was not sick, nor rabid, nor had any history whatsoever of aggressive behavior. Quote, she was just a big old lab that liked to run. That's what labs do. It did not call for the dog to get shot to death. Uh, She said she plans to file a complaint against the officer, Eli, uh, Elliot Palmer, and is working with Kimberly Goddard, daughter of Dick Goddard, uh, the meteorologist and animal welfare advocate who uh, whose name is on the, uh, the Goddard's law, um, which essentially makes it a fifth-degree felony to uh, uh, inflict cruelty, cruelty upon animals. Goddard confirmed she is working with the family. The daughter, Brittany, said... I want something to be done. I think most people in this situation would have been so hurt and so broken by this that they wouldn't have pursued what I'm doing for my family right now. I think they would have been scared to fight the police department, but it's wrong. I don't want somebody else's family member, a father, a brother, a sister, to be out there, and this guy willfully shoot them. I trust the court system will take this on. I do not want it to be overlooked. I don't know if there's a court system situation here. I don't think there will be unless they file a civil suit against the officer in the city. I don't even know if they can file a civil suit if uh, um, if there is protection, if there is, um, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for, uh, immunity for uh, uh, for the uh, for the officer so that they cannot be uh, you know, sued for, for their actions while on duty. Um, but I do think that there has to be a disciplinary hearing, and uh, that's what the investigation is about right now. So if you uh, if you saw the video, or even if you didn't, but you want to uh, have a say on it, two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one. And it also, if you don't know what the heck I'm talking about, because you missed the first hour of the show, terrible situation in Lorraine uh, back on uh, uh, Sunday. 
uh, when a uh, police officer in Lorraine who was just on patrol pulled up on a situation in which there were several dogs outside. Uh, four dogs belonging to one family had gotten out. They say they were spooked by fireworks and they started running. And uh, they were in the process of corralling them when the officer arrived on the scene and saw one of the dogs running at him, he says, uh, making him fear for his safety, and he shot the dog once. The dog uh, tried to retreat. He shot it three more times as it retreated. That's just the way it is. That's the, that's the story as we know it now. The video shows a very, very tragic and terrible situation. The video, as I described to people who were listening in the first hour, <clears throat> shows one of the dogs um, that were all being kind of corralled in the arms of owners uh, run over to the officer. Um, like right up to him, just kind of prancing over, bah, 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 trotting or whatever. And, and the officer, you can see by his body cam, shooing the dog away with his, with his hand, and it did. But then the other dog ran over too, just like the first one did. And in this one, instead of shooing it away, he just pulled out his firearm and shot it. Uh, same thing, Yellow Lab, no, not starling, vicious, attack mode or anything else, just running over to people as dogs tend to do. And uh, now there are calls for this officer to be re- removed from the force. I have to say, that's, that's the way I lean right now, too. I, do, you, I don't think a person like that with a mentality and a, and a temperament like that uh, should be carrying a, carrying a gun while wearing a badge. And I don't want anybody playing the uh, you value a dog's life more than a, than a person's life because you don't call for police officers to lose their jobs when, uh, when there are police shootings. Yes, I do. If they're bad shoots. If there's video that shows that there was no threat. I absolutely do. I hold people accountable. It just so happens that the reality of police work is that, you know, we're talking about overwhelmingly, I don't want to say 99% of the time, but overwhelmingly, that when these types of situations arise, the police do, or they've done it right. And that's why I have their back. And I will always give them the benefit of the doubt for that. I have their back because they deserve that. As I always say, as I always say, the guy who's willing to run toward gunfire while everybody else is running away from gunfire gets the benefit of the doubt. Because that's courageous. That's heroism. That's, that's just something that normal people don't do, can't do, won't do, whatever. And I find it extraordinary that people don't give them the benefit of that doubt. When I know they've done something wrong, however, I will say so, and I do say so. Uh, and in this is one of those cases. I don't think he did it right. I think there's a family grieving right now, and I know that there is an entire community in Lorraine, and quite frankly, all over Lorraine County, if you look at social media, uh, a whole community of people who are suffering from this too because they think this could have been my pet. All of our dogs have gotten out before, right? Tell me that's not true. All of our dogs have gotten out. All of our dogs have somehow, you know, I've got a... Uh, I dog sit a little bit for my son's dog now, and I've got one of those like spiral stakes in the ground, and, and we put them on a on a um, plastic coated steel line. It's a very very secure line, but it's in a sta- it's uh, connected to a stake that's in the ground. And I've seen those stakes come out before. You know, dogs you want to chase a rabbit or a bird or something going on, and they pull pull, and suddenly the stake doesn't hold for all kinds of reasons. You walk out the door to throw the garbage away and put it in the garbage can and the door is cracked just a little bit the dog wants to come out <laughs> and starts running around and then he runs into the neighbor's yard, runs across the street and you end up in your slippers running around the neighborhood trying to catch your dog. Tell me you haven't experienced that. We all have. doesn't mean we're irresponsible uh, dog owners. doesn't mean we're, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
in any way responsible or I'm sorry irresponsible and thus responsible for you know the dogs uh, getting out it just happens sometimes that's the way it is with animals and most dogs don't get shot because they're running around and they have the capability of biting and that's what I'm seeing some of the people who are critical of the take that I am giving on this one in which I'm not supporting this particular police officer at this particular time until something comes out to change my mind right now my eyes tell me what I need to know and that's the video I'm not. I'm just not playing that game here. But, 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 but some people are accusing me of, of you know, what you think just because it's a lab and not a pit bull, it doesn't bite. And all dogs have the capability of biting. And I'm, yeah, of course they do. They don't get shot because they have the capability of biting. They're not vicious animals, particularly if they're not in them. You know, and yeah, sometimes a really small dog can be vicious. And if they are vicious and they are coming to attack and their teeth are bared and they're about to bite and you got to shoot to protect you, I get it. It is not what this video showed. It is not what this video showed. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. I've got more thoughts on policing here in a moment, uh, but let me take this call from Mike in Strongsville. I'm told he is a retired police officer, and so maybe he's got a perspective on this that uh, that would be very welcome here. Mike, uh, thank you for weighing in. Go right ahead, sir. Yes, um, I'm retired. I've worked over twenty five years. Um, the this case the policeman's wrong it seems like he wanted to do that because of the multiple shots and if he if the dog were in fact vicious all police are issued mace pepper spray um and he could use that but i don't think he should be on the force anymore i think he should uh resign and put this behind everybody this is a horrible thing this is the first time i've gone against the policeman that i can remember you know, and and I, it's very rare that I go against policemen too. Uh, and again, some people are critical of the fact that it, it happens to be in defense of a dog here, and instead of a human being. But I don't care. Right is right, and wrong is wrong. And in this particular That's case, right. I, right. I, I, I thought the same thing you did. Particularly given how far the dog away, away the dog was when he came running up here and he shot him, he could very easily, if he felt so threatened, pull out his mace and fired that pepper spray at the dog. And yeah, it's going to be in pain and it'll yelp, but they'll heal it up. They'll you know they'll clean him up. There was He'll no be need, fine. Yeah, there was no need to use lethal force on that animal. Given this, did you see the video, Mike, or are you just going by the description? I I, I, I did not. I just saw a little bit of the video prior to what they released. Yeah. And they showed the policeman getting out. The dog did not look like uh, extremely vicious or anything like that. No, 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 it's not at all. Sick. Again. Yeah, it, you know no. the, the way he the way he wrote it in his report, which was released, and again, kudos to Lorraine for for the transparency. They released his report, they released the video, and so forth. He claims that the dog was charging at him, and I'm picturing a dog like aiming, like you know, teeth bared, and uh, I'm coming to get this yes. guy. Which typically, by the way, is not something that a lab does. It's just it's just not. They're just different kinds of dogs. But but when you watch it. All he did was follow his 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 uh you know his probably brother or sister who ran over to the dog and got shoot away or ran yes. over to the cop I mean and got shoot away. This one runs over and suddenly it's it's you know it's it's firing time and uh, I, right. I just don't I just don't get. So you say he was wrong, Mike, as a retired cop and and in twenty five years of experience, you say he was wrong. Do you take it to the next step? Does he need to be fired or would a disciplinary uh, action solve the problem? What do you think? I don't think disciplinary action could change his mindset and how he thinks. I mean, that's almost reactionary where he, he was, that can't be changed. Uh, it's, it's sad and it's, but it can't be changed. And I think he should leave the, 
that type of field. I don't think he's he's meant for this type of work. You have I think to be, you're right. Um, yeah, I think there's yeah. a mentality. I'll be very interested to see yeah. what his experience level is, Thank Mike. You, I don't know. Thank you for your support of police, too. Thank you, sir, for the call. I appreciate it, Mike. Great great, con- great conversation and great points that you just made. I, you know, I don't know his background. I know that the FOP uh, Lodge president there uh, said that he is a, um, or was a president or whatever, uh, the leader of the Lodge, um, said that he's, you know, a, a good, compassionate, competent, well-trained guy. And maybe he is. I don't know. Maybe he's new on the force. Maybe he's two years in. I don't know if he's 20 years in. All I do know is that in this particular case, that was indicative of a guy who really shouldn't be making decisions about when to fire a gun. With, with, with lawful authority on his chest in the form of that badge. That's a guy that I don't think should be in charge of making those decisions. I, think he, I don't think he needs a badge. I think he needs uh, a lot of training. Uh, if he's going to continue to be a firearm owner, a CCW holder, uh, but but I don't think he should be able to do so and, uh, uh, with the th- authority of law on his chest. I just don't. Uh, if you have thoughts on it, 216-901-0945, We'll be back. Yeah, this is, um, <clears throat> this is just one of those situations where nobody's going to be happy. Um, it, quite frankly, even the dog's owners and uh, uh, community members who are livid about this and outraged, and you should see the petition, you should see the the comments on social media. No, even if the officers fired, they're not going to be happy. I mean, what are you? What can you do? The dog's dead. Um, it should also be uh, noted, uh, as a friend just mentioned, and I also see this in one of the newspaper coverages of this. The the officer wasn't responding to a vicious dog call. It, it, those happen, as you know. Um, if people are in fear because there's a vicious dog in the neighborhood, running around, if they're in their house, cornered or something, or you know, anything, any kind of a call where, some, where police are called because of the threat of a vicious dog, you're going to have somebody arrive in there who's probably drawn, the, the weapon meaning, the weapon's probably drawn. They're going to get out of that car and draw immediately because if there's a vicious dog call, there is a legitimate fear and concern that you're going to be attacked by a vicious dog. This wasn't the case. He wasn't called to the scene for a vicious dog. He wasn't called to the scene at all. He was on routine patrol. Basically wandered down that street. Saw a bunch of dogs and a bunch, four dogs running around, a couple of owners trying to corral them in their front yard. He got out of his car, went out and yelled at them, told them to get those dogs under control, according to the witnesses, and uh, one of the dogs uh, ran up toward him and ran away when he shooed them away. And the other one ran up toward him and shot him. It was a routine patrol. And if this is what happens on a repeat routine patrol, like I said, I think it's uh, it's a it's a terrible terrible situation. It's terrible. Uh, I think look for the police department if they keep that guy on the force. I just think it would be a terrible look. We'll see what the rest. Of, I mean, I you know I always tell people don't judge until we have all the facts. I always say that, and I mean that. And there may be facts that can come out that the video doesn't show and that may change my mind. I'm very seriously doubting that because sometimes the only facts you need are your own two eyes. And uh, I saw what I saw, and I don't think this is a guy who's really uh, meant for that job. Okay, uh, we'll take a time out here. We'll go bottom of the hour news break. We'll come back. i got time for a few more phone calls if you want to make them, a couple of other stories as well. Stay here on Always Right Radio.
This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. Okay, 1134, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. I want to talk about AI, but I also want to answer phone calls on the dog story. And, uh, you know, it's a very touchy subject for a lot of people. So let's get the calls in first and see where this goes. John in Berea. Uh, John, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, fire away, sir. Yes, um, it seems to me that we should, uh, before I make final judgment, we definitely want to hear from the officer himself. I think his handlers uh, have been told probably, uh, you know, they not want him to speak, but we'll find out, the, the, you know, what, what well, his... Well, he, he, did, he did speak, though, by way of his report. He had to write oh. a first-hand account, and uh, they oh. made that public. That's why he described in his own words that he felt like he was in fear of his safety, fear for his safety as the oh. dog came okay. running up there. Yeah, so well, you, gave his na- you, you gave his name. What was his name again? Yeah, his you name didn't is... Yeah, his name is Elliot Palmer. It's in all of the news stories and news coverage of this. Okay, well, the uh, hear, hearing from him is a key thing. I thank you for your time. You got it. I appreciate it. Yeah, he's you know he's he's made his point. He's made his his argument that uh, he felt like the dog was was a threat to him, and that's why he had the ju- he was justified in shooting it. And uh, again, the the <laughs> dozen or so witnesses around outside at the, as that all went down completely disagree and. Um, while that is a matter for the investigators to consider what the officer's point of view was versus what the other witnesses' point of views were, points of view were, um, I have my point of view from the video, and, I, and I, it's it's the same point of view that he had because it's his body camera, and thank goodness we have them. By the body, by use of the body camera, I get to see the same thing he saw, and I saw a yellow lab come running up to him, and 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 he shoot it away. And I saw another yellow lab come running up to him, and he said, I'm not going to shoot. And I said he shooed him away, shooed, as in shoo, shoo, not shoot. But then the second dog who came up running to him, he uh, just pulled out his gun, and in that one, he shot him away, quite literally. Once, and the dog tried to drag itself away, and he shot it three more times. And I'm trying to understand that. Um, Anyway, uh, Amy in Hudson next. Amy, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Fire away. Oh, Hello. Uh, thank you for the chance to defend the poor policeman. How, how do we know that he, as a child, a young child, was not attacked by a dog? Fear is a controlling force with many people. Uh, we don't know his background, so I'm glad you're holding your judgment until you have heard more of him and what he has gone through. I, I would say, though, Amy, um, and that's a, it's, a, it's an interesting question, and yes, I'm going to withhold final judgment. Like I said, my, my judgment at this moment in time until the investigation is complete is based on the video. But I would I, say this. I understand that. But you I, know I would, what? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I, 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 I well, just want to hit finish. the part about the child or the, being a child. Um, if, if he did suffer a, a, a dog attack as a child mm-hmm. um, and, and it brings, you know, post-traumatic stress to him mm-hmm. he might be in right. the wrong line of work because police officers encounter vicious dogs vicious dogs much less non-vicious dogs all the time the mm-hmm. uh, one would think that 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 might be something that he shouldn't think about doing if he's got a a traumatic experience with dogs in his in his childhood history go ahead take it from there. that is true it you have a valid point there however what about the uh, uh, male carriers who are attacked every year by dogs and again 
you don't know what the dog is going to do to you. But, but you know, but you know close. what? But you know I'm, what? Mail carriers carry. They carry mace. They don't carry guns. They don't shoot the yeah. dogs if there's a vicious dog that's approaching them. Because, and by the way, that's a really, really touchy subject too. Because as we all know, dogs are trained to protect their property. Many of them yeah. are. And if a yeah. if a stranger comes onto the property, whether it be a mail carrier or a or a, a, a UPS deliverer or or Amazon, um, you know, the dog doesn't know. They just know there's a stranger on the grounds. But exactly. if they do feel in danger. They mace the dog. Guess what? The police officer also had mace or pepper spray. Instead, okay. he chose his firearm, which just doesn't—it just doesn't square with me. But go ahead. I would like to tell you a very quick story, and it's a crazy story. So, um, we used to have a farm in our state. Uh, we did not live there, but um, we had a, there was a black calf, a male. Uh, what do you call those steers? And uh, one day, he came, he came running towards me, and uh, his eyes were red. I have never seen he. He usually has brown eyes. These eyes were red. And uh, I happened to have a horse whip in my hand, and he, he kept running towards me, and behind me was a sheep dip. It's a cement structure where they used to make sheep walk through, down and up. It's a narrow thing, but it's deep. And that was behind me. I couldn't get away from this thing, so I hit him over the head. He got close enough, and then he, said, he turned around and went away. But thank goodness for that horse whip. We just don't know. If, I, if the dog had red eyes and he was determined to hurt this man, we, can, we can't see that. So anyway, okay. I'm, well, I'm I'll tell you what, I appreciate that very much. I appreciate your point of view on it, Amy, and thank you for the phone call. That sounds like a terrifying experience, by the way, with a steer uh, with red eyes. I've never heard of that before, um, other than an animal that has pink eye. But uh, I will take your word for it that you felt really, really endangered there. And, uh, and you're right. Did this dog have red eyes and somehow flip a switch and somehow become a vicious attack dog? Maybe. But generally, if you do see that, their teeth are bared. They're growling and snarling as they come at you. And uh, this is this is a little yellow lab, a yellow retriever uh, lab retriever mix. And um, it, you know, it just didn't it didn't show that on the video at all. It didn't show any intent for viciousness whatsoever. It showed a dog that ran up to the same police officer that his sister or brother ran up to just seconds ago and got chewed away. And for some reason, this one maybe he was like, you know, here comes one and uh, that's bad, but here comes another one. All right, I've had enough dogs running at me and bang, bang, bang. I don't know what he was thinking. I just know what he said in his statement. And what he said in his statement doesn't square. When I say a statement, I mean his report. The report he filed on the incident, which was released by the Lorraine police, which I'm glad of. That's transparency. Uh, that's firsthand. That's, or excuse me, that's first class, first rate work. Uh, they released the report that he filed and they re- released the video very, very quickly so everybody can see what happened. And uh, his report did not square with what the video showed, at least in my mind. Charlie in Akron. Hi, Charlie. Fire away. Yeah, Bob. Um, I, I watched the video and the thing that I find you know, it's sad that the dog got killed, but man, there are people all around. What, what if that? What if a stray bullet hit a hit a pedestrian? You know, that that guy was reckless. <laughs> Totally well, right. you know, that's what the old dog owner said, even though she was traumatized by the fact that her dog was shot and killed in, in her mind and in many others um, uh, without without just cause. Her other thought, she said, was, you know, he could have hit a child. You know, that that bullet could have he could have missed or it could have ricocheted off of the ground or any place else and hit a kid. There were lots of people around there. You know, that 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 element of this should not be overlooked. And that was the dog owner. Saying, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sad by my the death of my dog, but he could have hit a person there. 
And so that kind of, sure. I think that really does underscore this was, this was less than a um, uh, well-thought, considered action of self-defense. This was recklessness. The fact that uh, there were people around kind of does underscore that. Yeah, well, that's Any, all I wanted to say. I'm glad you said it, Charlie. Thank you. Thank you for that phone call. That's a very good point. I, I don't know if I have that quote here or not, but the um, the dog's owner, um, Tammy Tammy Kearns, did say that there were children around there, and one of those bullets could have hit a child. This was just completely reckless. And, again, given the circumstances that I saw on the video, I kind of agree. Neighbors around were left terrified by the ordeal. Uh, people are calling on the department to remove or at least punish the officer. And, again, I don't know what punishment would 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 change his mindset. I don't know what punishment would make him think uh, a little bit better about shooting a dog and, a, you know, a family dog in a neighborhood where it's not a... It's not a vicious, uh, a vicious breed of dog that typically is, you know... You almost, you almost, when you read the, the police report that he filed, you almost picture... You know, one of the Cujo-style dogs with the spiked collar that's guarding a chop shop in the inner city, you know, or guarding a drug house. You know, it's it's just one of these, one of the, and it's not. It's a family, you know, it's a neighborhood. The dogs got outside of the yard, and they started running around. One of them ran around up toward the the, the officer and got shoot away. The other one got, uh, uh, went up to the, uh, ran around up toward the officer and got shot and blown away. And that's the reality of the situation. So that's it. Uh, all the all the time I've got for this one today. It's not something I want to belabor, but I am looking forward to the police report. Or I beg your pardon, the results of the investigation that is being conducted by the Office of Standards uh, in the Lorraine Police. I don't know exactly what that will entail or when we'll get it, but they seem to be very forthcoming with information, including the release of the video. And that transparency will help things a lot. So hopefully we'll get an answer soon. And uh, uh, I hope there's some peace for that family because I think that's rough. And if you're a if you're a dog owner and an animal rights activist, you're not even an activist. If you're just a dog owner and you're just a believer in what is just and what is right, uh, I think you're looking for uh, for the right outcome here as well. Okay, that's it. Thanks to my, my guest today, Peter Kirsten. Now, by the way, if you're wondering, Dr. Piper is still under the weather. Uh, he's getting better, but he said he's still a little bit sick and couldn't go today. He'll be back with us next Wednesday. So thanks to Peter Kirsten now. Thanks to Johnny. Thanks to Marianne. Thanks to Marcy. That's my team. And thanks to you for listening and being a part of the show. we got a free-for-all Friday coming tomorrow. Hope you'll be a part of that. So until then, be well, be safe, and stay free. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.